John's Gospel, chapter number 6. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Amen. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. John's gospel has eight divine miracles recorded. Each one implies a work, I think, that Jesus is still interested in doing in our lives. Whether it is a work of change or transformation turning water into wine, what a miracle. Or if it's a miracle of sight, lifting the scales from off our eyes. Or a miracle that produces faith, as he did for the nobleman as a result of healing his son. But here we notice what I have called a, a miracle of ministry. Here Jesus is involved in feeding this multitude miraculously. But he doesn't choose to do it alone. He could have. He wants to bring his children in on this. He wants them to be a part of what he's doing in a divine way. I'm blessed and honored to be a part of his kingdom, aren't you? I'm thrilled to know that heavenly things are happening in earthly places, and that He has chosen me and you to be a part of that. Oh, I don't want to be just the humdrum 
religious person going through life, but I want to be somebody that's a part of a miracle. Somebody that can rejoice that God has done something that cannot be explained with human terminologies. This is a miracle of a ministry. And as we noticed last night, it's a miracle of a blessed ministry. You'll always see more come out of it than what goes into it. And so it is in your life and my life when we allow ourselves to be used of God as He sets it up. If we will let Him have what we've got, if we'll give it up, if we'll be willing to serve it up and pick it up, uh, boy, we'll be the most blessed people on top side of God's earth. It's people who are only interested in themselves that are miserable people. But blessed people are those who have plugged in to the ministry of the Lord and they are reaching out beyond themselves, touching other lives. But tonight I want to take it a step further and I want to zero in on this little boy, this, this lad. It is from the most unusual and least likely places that the Lord orders His materials with which He does His ministry. Isn't it amazing? And here we notice that The materials, the resources for this ministry comes from the little boy or the lad, as the scripture says. I'm interested in how it doesn't take a whole lot as far as our part is concerned for God to accomplish His part. And uh, how that Entering into a ministry or being a part of what God is doing, uh, ten times out of ten, we'll never be able to figure out where it's all going to come from. If you've got it figured out, then it's not going to be a miracle. If you've already tallied it up and you know exactly what's going to happen, then mark it down. This is not what God's into. Because he'll always want to do something that you just can't figure it out. And it'll be from that least likely place that we would not imagine that he will bring forth his resources and his supplies to his honor and to his glory. Now, let's, uh, let's look at this text. I'm preaching tonight on... Not so much the miracle of the blessed ministry, but the miracle of the boy ministry. The miracle of how God does a ministry through a boy. Emphasizing that no matter who you are here tonight, no matter your status quo in society, no matter your bank account, no matter your intellect, No matter your physical abilities, God is able to do great things from little resources. He doesn't need big things to do big things with. I'm talking about the miracle, and isn't it a miracle? The miracle of the boy, B-O-Y, ministry. 
Now, I would say to you three things in the beginning here. I would say, first of all, that this, this miracle of ministry has nothing to do with the area in which God is going to perform that miracle. We, humanly speaking, and through natural reasoning, would have never even proposed to have a meal in such a place. Because the scripture tells us in the other writings, all of the uh, writers of the uh, gospels record this miracle. And they talk about it being a wilderness place, a desert place, an out-of-the-way place. Uh, normally speaking, if we were going to have a meal, we'd try to work our ways toward the places to where there would be resources at hand. There's no bakeries here. There's no stores that even contain bakeries or bread or food. But Jesus is not concerned about how it looks in the overall picture of the area because that's not where he's going to get his resources to do the miracle of the ministry. It may not look suitable. It may not look possible. The area may not be conducive to it. It may be as as seemingly as, as far off as you can imagine. But if Jesus has determined to do something there, He can do it. Whoever He desires to do something. And I'm going to tell you something. I want to be where He's decided to do something. I don't necessarily have to be in the big places or in the heart of where all the commotion and the motion is, where everybody thinks everything's going to happen. And a lot of stuff does happen, but it's man-made. I want to be in the place where He decides He wants to do something because I want to be a part of that. A lot of folks hop around in church nowadays from one church, and I understand you got churches everywhere. Uh, but they get at least a little offended and they feel led to go somewhere else or somewhere else. But I'm going to tell you something. I would want to be where I feel like God wanted me, where he could do something in me and do something through me. This, this miracle of a ministry has nothing to do, thank God, with the area. If he chooses to do it there, he can. The second thing I would point out to you from, from the indication of this this lad or this young boy, as it were, that the miracle of a ministry not only has nothing to do with the area, but it doesn't have anything to do with the age. Look at this child. The least, as I say, likely, the smallest of the crowd is the one from which God is going to retain the resources to feed a huge Multitude, who would have even believed that? But yet it holds true throughout the word of God. Jesus said, suffer, I think it was quoted here Sunday morning, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And again, he said, their angels do always behold the face of my father. He said, they've got my attention. I, they may not have, they may be too small for you, but they're not too small for me. Heaven is is attending those little ones. Think about David. He, he, he was so young among all of those who were qualified in Israel, but yet he was not too young for heaven's anointing. Right. 
The oil of God poured upon that young boy to deliver Israel, to slay the giant and to be the great king that God wanted him to be. He was not too young. Think about Samuel and how God raised him up to be a voice in Israel when there was no voice of God in Israel. But yet God took that little boy and God raised him up and God mightily let him be a priest and a prophet uh, in the nation. I'm, I'm simply saying to you, age doesn't make any difference. Who knows what little heart God is moving around in. That one day it will unfold that he has done a magnanimous work there. And even we may sit under his voice, the sound of his voice, and never would have imagined that God was going to do such a great work through such a small, small lad. I remember preaching a revival many years ago in this church, and, and uh, it seemed as though we struggled all week. There had been, uh, been some things that had taken place as far as physical ailment and and a couple of deaths, and I don't know, maybe it just wasn't the right time as a result of that, but I remember the only one that came to the altar, and I don't measure a meeting by that, but I'm just simply saying, the only one that came to the altar that week was a girl about seven years old. And I'll never forget, I was sitting on the front row after the service over, and the preacher asked her, said, young lady, what happened to you? And out of all that meeting, it's this, this one little phrase that I've never forgotten. And I guess it's been 15, 20 years ago. She said, well, preacher, this is of her own. This is the only way she could think of it. She said, I asked Jesus to save me. And he said, yes. I said, hallelujah. Isn't that so simple? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. And for this preacher, that meant as much to me as anything that could have happened that week. I say to you that it's not up to the age. It doesn't matter how young. Let us not limit God's uh, miracle and God's ministry because of the age. Who knows what God may do through the youth. But then I would turn that coin over and say not only are we never too young we're never too old brothers and sisters the older I get I'm glad that I can say that Uh, I'm soon going to flip the coin to to, uh, 60 years old I didn't celebrate 58 I didn't celebrate 59 I said Lord if you'll graciously let me have 60 I'm going to have a party yeah and you're all invited uh, to make it to 60 years old. I think that, I mean, I, ch- I checked the other day how many 60-year-old people are alive in this world. And I think, I mean, in America, and I think they didn't give 60s. It was 65, and I think they said something like 13 or 15, only 13 or 15% of the population is 65 or older. I said, man, we're, we're losing out here. We're, we're going, we're fading fast. I can remember when I was 22 years old pastoring a church and there was a fellow who died who was 47. And really in my mind I thought, well, you can't live forever. <laughs> Here the other day somebody told me about a, a, a man died. I said, how old was it? They said 80. I said, what happened to him? I mean, my goodness. <laughs> he just died right in his prime. I mean, I just, you, can't, you know. 
But I thought about Abraham, how he was 75. I thought about Moses, how he was 80. I thought about Caleb, how he was 85 when he took that mountain. You're just, you're never too old to serve the Lord. Don't ever get to the place you say, well, I'm just over the hill and I don't, I leave it up to the young people. No! Don't let them take over until they bury you. Just keep on serving God. As long as you got breath in that body, he's got something he wants to do in and through you and you be a part of that miracle. Don't lose that flame and that fire in your soul. My wife's grandfather was 96 years old. Preached, you know, for all and pastored all them years. And I can remember right up before he died. He stayed in good health. He didn't get really sick until the night day he died. And uh, I remember him standing out in the yard. He took his hand. He'd always rub his heart like that. 96, almost 96, well, 96 years old, your mother would say. He rubbed his chest and the tears bubbled up in his eyes. He said, I woke up this morning with a text of burning in my heart. I said, hallelujah. You never get too old. I preach a meeting in Dallas, Georgia. There's a lady there that's 93 years old. We just saw her a couple of weeks ago there. And uh, she, she's 93, but she just bounces up the steps. She could go in the back and walk in and out, but she likes to bounce up the steps and bounce back. Down, she's the life of that church. And so I asked her one day, I said, Dear sister, what did you do today? I wanted to know what 93-year-old people did. She said, Well, preacher said, I've got three rest homes that I visit every week. And what I do is I, I visit my old folks. And I go in and I sit down beside the bed and said, some of them, bless their heart, don't even know it. They don't have mind to know I'm there. But I read the Word of God to them. I said, how long you been doing that, Sister Ruth? She said, 51 years. Hallelujah. And she ain't quit yet. I'm going to tell you something. That's how I, I want to be a part of what God's doing till I take my last breath. I don't want to sit around in gloom and doom. You're never too young. You're never too old. You're never too busy. It's not about the area. It's not about the age. I'll tell you something else. It's not about the amount. You you look at the amount that is here. They begin to formulate. They begin to figure. They begin to calculate. They began to count. And of course, I don't blame them. I would have said the same thing. And that is, Lord, surely you're not going to try to feed this crowd here, are you? But he was. And do you think that he was puzzled when they said they didn't have much money in the account? You think he was buffaloed when they said, well, there ain't no stores out here? Do you think he wrung his hands and said, well, I wanted to do something here, but it don't look like a can, does it? No, he didn't listen to what they had to say. And thank God, heaven doesn't listen to what we try to say. Has God ever tried to get you to do something you tried to talk him out of it because you said you, didn't, you couldn't and you didn't have enough and you wasn't smart enough and didn't have enough money and all that other stuff? And he never paid no attention to you? He kept on telling you to do what he told you to do even though you thought you couldn't do it because he already had in mind what he was going to do through you and didn't make any difference about the amount. He said, just make him sit down. Again, he said he knew what he was going to do. 
I remember I pastored for 22 and a half years. The Lord, I, I told my church, I said, I'll die here. I'll be buried here. I love this place. And I did. Had a wonderful, wonderful experience. And, I, and, and the Lord came to me one day and he said, I want you to leave and go into evangelism. I said, no. I'll tell you, no, I don't recommend that. Uh, I don't, somebody said, well, the Lord won't make you do anything you don't. Don't tell Jonah that. I mean, he found out a little different. And I did too. And after a while, I throwed up my hands and surrendered. But for, for the biggest portion of the time, I, I got my pen and paper out and I started figuring. And I said, Lord, I can't go into evangelism. If I did, I mean, where am I going to get my insurance? And what am I going to do about a vehicle? This is about war. And where are we going to live? We need a house. And we got three young'uns in the... And, and I mean, I had, I, had it on, I, had, I had it all figured out. <laughs> and he acted like he just didn't pay me no mind. And every time I'd throw a figure at him, he'd say, Go! I said, but Lord, I'm just checking. It. Said, go. But Lord, I don't have no money. Just, just go. Just go. The amount doesn't make any difference. I thought about how that Gideon with 300, just a, little, just a little band of men brought forth a great victory. I thought about how that little widow put in that, that little might and, and Jesus began to emphasize how she had given more than anybody else had. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't make any difference. Don't go to measuring things. Just do what you're told to do. If you're going to be a part of a miracle, surely you're not going to have enough. It was Elisha that said to that woman, he said, he said to her, feed me, bake me a biscuit. She said, I can't. I ain't got but one handful. I was going to bake it. Me, me and my son going to split it and die. He said, no, you bake me one first, and God will take care of the rest. And by faith, she baked him one first and had enough to last all the way. But I don't believe that barrel ever was full. I think it was just one handful at a time. But it was always enough. Always enough. I was uh, speaking to a preacher several years back who had started a felt definite and it's evident God has really blessed it in a marvelous way. Uh, had started, uh, felt led to start a work in a certain area. He was a member of a, of a church and it was an area much needed. It was up north. And uh, he was a member of a church that financially was well, well, well off. And in his mind, he figured. Here's what he told me because he sat down and he was... This was early on in the starting of the church. It had been going on just a couple of years. And, and in tears, he said, Preacher, I just need to share with this with you. He said, and get it off my, off, off my heart. He said, I just don't understand. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well... He said, uh, my church that I was a part of and I served faithfully whatever was needed there for years and I did whatever was uh, they asked and, and said, when I, when I told the pastor that I was leaving and going to God had led me to start work, I just had already figured out that they had enough to take care of me. Well, they could have supported me full time and wouldn't even notice the difference as far as the lack of money. But he said, preacher, I'm going to tell you the truth. That church has done less for me than anybody. 
said they have not given, they have not come to help, they have not uh, sent anybody to knock on doors, said they have not even been a part of this. And he said, I don't understand that. I said to him, well, preacher, let me straighten you out on that. I said, do you know why they didn't help you? And why that preacher didn't, it ain't because that church is noted for helping missionaries and sending the guy. I said, it ain't, it, it, it's not because they're mean or cold hearted. I'm going to tell you what happened. God shut that avenue down because he knew that if they took care of it, he couldn't take care of it. And so he just cut it all off. It's as if they didn't even know this guy. And what God had to do is he had to go through different areas, even lost people and and people that he had never known, people he didn't have any connection with. And they come out of the woodwork in those mountainous places up there. And God did a marvelous work. But he knows it's God. I said, don't get mad at that preacher. He's helping a lot of people. God just wouldn't let him help you. Well, well, none of us would mind to do something if somebody would walk up and say, here, i got you a check for a million dollars. I want you to go do something. I said, yeah, I'll do that and more if you want me to. But it's not going to be there when he asks you to do it. It is not going to be calculable. It's not going to be, figure, be able to be figured out. But thank God, it doesn't make any difference. It's not in the area. It's not in the age. It's not in the amount. It's not in whether you can do it or not. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't do it. Moses could not lead the children of Israel out. It was not in his schooling in Egypt. It was not in his training. God had to drain him from that when he took him to the backsides of the desert and taught him he couldn't. He started out saying, I can. Then he said, no, I can't. But God said to him on that mountain, it's not in I can, it's not in I can't, it's in I am, and I'll do the work. And God, the I am, just the message of I am, brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. We need to operate off the I am. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? That there are no limitations nor boundaries on what Christ wants to do to help somebody when he chooses you to do it. He's already got it in mind. Again, it's not in the area, it's not in the age, it's not in the amount. But I I said all that to bring you to this, this final thought because here's where it rests. Look, if you will, in verse number nine. Now, after all of the commotion, after all the disturbances, after all of the alarm, after all of the searching, after all of the concluding, notice what the scripture said. Here's all they could come up with. This is all we got. This is no big news here to the disciples. All they're saying is, this is it. I mean, you know, you're saying feed them what I'm going to tell you. This is it. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you, this is it is all he wanted. And notice it. They make the announcement. There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Here's what I want you to see. 
Truth of the matter is, if the Lord's going to do a work and he wants to do a work to save somebody, to bless somebody, to help somebody, to minister in this old world, and that's what we're here for, and he wants to use me and you, we don't have to worry about the area, we don't have to worry about the age, we don't have to worry about the amount. Here's where it lies. It lies in, get this word, here's what you need before you can ever do anything for God. You need an announcement. There has to be an announcement. Now here we see an announcement. Now, nobody's figured on this little boy. Nobody's even thought about this little boy. It's just through the searchings and seeing. You got any food here? You got any? No, you ain't got any over there? Y'all didn't bring anything? Anybody over here? Anybody know of any place over here? No. They and then Andrew walks upon while he's talking. He happens to look down, no doubt. And he's, what do you got there, son? You got what? Well, where did you get that? You brought it from home. Well, how much you got? Is that all? Hmm. Hey, hey, over here, this is it, he's over here. Now that boy didn't know he was going to get pointed out that day. Nobody else knew he was going to get pointed out that day. But the Lord knew. While everybody else was thinking money, they was thinking bakeries, they were thinking somewhere to go purchase and buy and all that other stuff. You know what Jesus, the Bible said he knew what he was, th- he was going to do. You know what he was thinking? What nobody else was thinking. Are you thinking what he's thinking? Probably not. What's he thinking? While they're thinking all that other stuff, he's thinking one thing. Boy, 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 boy. He knew there was a boy out there that had five loaves and two fishes and he knew that boy was what he was going to use and that was all he was going to use. He was going to use him. Good news, children. There was an announcement. Over here. Right here. Hey, right here. Amidst the thousands of people. He's... He's right here, an announcement. Now, I'm going to say to you something that probably no evangelist has ever told you. And it's this. You can't support every ministry. You can't do it. And anybody that's got a ministry wants help. Everybody does, I do. This church, you need money to take care of things that are here and all this other stuff. But what I'm saying is that you can't get on every bandwagon that comes through town. You say, well, preacher, what am I supposed to do? Get an announcement. Don't let somebody play on your sympathy to get your money. Don't turn on that TBN and listen to that foolishness trying to tell you to send them $1,000 and they'll send you a handkerchief. I've got one right here if you want to pull that deal. You can have it for half price, 500 <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you what you need. You need an announcement. Have you ever had an announcement? I'm going to tell you, heaven makes announcements. You got one the day you got saved, didn't you? You remember that day when heaven made an announcement and said, Got one here that's lost. 
And on the road to heaven, he said, you remember when heaven made that announcement? You knew that wasn't just you. You knew that heaven, that Jesus was thinking about you. And you couldn't get away from it. The announcement was, here's one lost. For us preachers, don't you remember that day? You just mind your own business. You was glad you saved, had your job providing for your family probably and all of a sudden right in the middle of a church somewhere or maybe I don't know there was an out got a preacher here you said where right here you <laughs> the announcement was made I love to see folks minister that minister out of a heavenly announcement. I love to see people give that give out of a heavenly announcement. They know that the Lord wants what they've got and they're willing to give it up. An announcement. I was preaching a meeting in Florida in a church that that is quite like your church. They they are they very generous as far as the offering was concerned. But I just come out of a church that, that and a lot of churches don't have a lot. And but I don't mean to be, I don't know what all you call it, but they do charge evangelists for gas and diesel. They don't you don't just pull up and fill up the tank and they say, Are you a preacher? You say, Yeah, well, go on, that's okay. <laughs> or when you go out to eat, they don't say, Well, are you a minister? Well, then you don't have to pay. It's all the same for all of us. But, but you know, I, have to, I go into a lot of churches that just don't have it, and I want to go anyway. I mean, I'm here not for the amount. I'm here for the glory of God. The announcement is for me to preach the gospel. But it does take money. But I was in this certain church, I say that to say this, that was a, that was a generous church, and i just come out of one that just couldn't, I barely paid the gas bill, and that was fine, that was fine. Don't misunderstand me. But I needed that offering, I thought, to make it on up the road to the next place. And while I was sitting there, the pastor gets up and he mentions a missionary that I've never met. He's not asking for money for this missionary who lives a state away. I since then found out he was a great man of God. But he had gotten sick and then his wife had a stroke. And all his words were, I want you to pray for so and so. And they knew him well. He'd been at that church evidently. I didn't know him. And he wasn't asking. They already took, they already supported him. He wasn't asking for any money, just pray. But while he mentioned that, an announcement came to me. You ever get one of them? I'm sitting right there, and the Holy Ghost announcement came to me and said, Why don't you just take your check this week and send it to him? I said, Who are you talking to? He said, he ain't talking to me. He said, no, but I'm talking to you. I need what you've got to give to him. I said, well, these people here got more money than I have. Talk to them. He said, I don't need what they got. I want what you got. And I said, well, Lord, I'm, in, I'm, I'm miserable. <laughs> I beat my way through that sermon, went home that night. I said, I'll sleep this off. It'll, it'll be gone in the morning. I'm in the, I, this, this, this got to be, it can't be right. And I went the next day and kind of got it off my mind. I ate and was feeling pretty good. You ever been there? And then I went in and sat down that night. And if that scoundrel didn't get up again, first thing he said, he said, I want you to pray for so-and-so. He's, well, his wife's had a stroke and, you know, he's confined to a wheelchair and, and everything. And it was like the Holy Ghost said, go one right here. He wants to send him his check. I said, I do not. I need that. He said, yes, you do. 
You do want to. I want it and he needs it. Good luck. Did you just give it to me? Will you give it to me? You don't have to, but will you give it to me? And I said, okay, Lord, you can have it. I didn't even tell the pastor. I just got his address and said it to him. I've never met the man to this day. But you ever get that announcement? That announcement says, I know you don't like that, sister, but I want you to pick up the telephone and I want you to call her and tell her you'll be praying for her. You ever get that announcement? Go over and hug her. You go in there and tell him you're sorry. Or you go over there and tell her you you didn't. You ever get those announcements? They are announcements letting you know that the Lord wants to use you to minister to somebody else in some way. I was preaching a meeting up in North Carolina at a church that had, uh, of course, the facility of the church, had uh, uh, a parsonage and then had a graveyard. It was a lot of land out there. And, and uh, there was one man that was mowing every bit of that every year. I go up there and park uh, my uh, RV there, camper, and, and I noticed he'd get out there and he'd mow and we'd eat and everything. And one day he was out there taking a break and I told my wife, I said, I'm just going to go and talk to him for a while. Went out there and I began to talk to him. I said, you do all this yourself? He said, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, well, uh, nobody, oh, no, no, I don't need no help. He said, preacher, let me tell you what happened. He said, seven years ago, I had a massive heart attack. Like to not get out of the hospital and the doctor told me that I only had 20% of my heart. He said, when I finally got to work and come back to church, he said, I was walking up to those steps went to enter into the door and said, I turned around and looked at the, the, uh, the, the landscape and said, it was fine, it had been taken care of, but he said, I can't tell you why. But he said, the Lord made an announcement and said, I want you to take care of all this. Said, I said, Lord, I ain't got but 20% of my heart. He said, that's all right, if you'll take care of this, I'll take care of your heart. He said, preacher, for seven years I've been mowing and weed eating and all of this other stuff, but he said, I have a revival every time I'm out here. He got an announcement and I could tell he was enjoying what he was doing. May the Holy Ghost, may we wait on the Holy Ghost to make announcements. We got a boy right here, right here, yes. Got an announcement. But you know, there was an announcement that preceded the announcement. If we know it, they didn't know it because I go back to that test said Jesus knew what he was going to do. Huh? It was a personal announcement. Ain't no need to point at anybody else. It was going to be that boy and that boy alone that was going to be used of God. There's some things God wants you to do that he ain't going to use nobody else. He's only got you in mind and he has equipped you to do it. Boy, you get the opportunity to be a part of something that is such, such a miracle. Such a miracle. Back in November, our family gets together. We've got 11 grand youngins, four children. I mentioned the grand youngins first because they're most important. And, uh, and, uh, and we, we get together. We all get together. There's like 21 of us. We've got a little chapel out there. Just cut trees down, made benches and stuff behind the house. And we get out there and have a service before we all break up. We got in the midst of that service, and the Lord just hovered down on us. And uh, long story short, through that, 
somebody spoke up in the crowd. It wasn't me. I, I didn't say it. I said, you know, next year instead of going camping, we go camping in July. I said, we ought to do just ask the Lord what he wants us to do for him as a family. And somebody else spoke up and said, yeah, I, I, I tell you, that'd be a great idea. And then somebody else spoke up and said, I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to go up in that area. Now, it's not where I was born and raised. It's three hours from where, I'm at, uh, where I was born and raised, but it's, a, it's a, a dark, depressed area of drugs and alcohol and everything. No jobs or anything in West Virginia. A little place called Mason Town. I've got a brother. I do have a brother there, and I've been up there two times to visit him there. And it is just a terrible, terrible, even his own family. But my nephew was with us at that time, and he's the one that spoke up. He said, we need, to go, we need to go up there. And somebody said, well, how can we do it? And somebody else said, well, let's just get us a tent. Well, I've never set up. I don't know nothing about tent. I've preached them, but I ain't done the work. But I'm here to tell you, just in five minutes, God made an announcement to us, and all 21 of us got thrilled and excited about going to those mountain areas, setting up a tent in July, took off two weeks, to preach to them old sinners about our Savior. And I'm thrilled about the miracle of it. Already got it set up. I mean, got the tent ready, got the, where we're going to stay ready, got, uh, got the, you know, it's just, we going and, uh, and I'm going to tell you, I'm looking for God to do some things up there. We don't, we don't know those people, but thank God, He does. And when He makes an announcement, He already knows what He's going to do. There's an announcement before the announcement. We're just thrilled about it. It's all in the announcement. Listen to what He's got to say. And He may let you do something. Ooh, wouldn't that be wonderful? So, but I'm 90 years old. Yeah, it don't make no difference. He can let you do something that is amazing. Be a part of something that is glorious. Now, this, this announcement, it's providential, it's preceded, it's, it's personal. But you know, this announcement becomes, it's, it's, it's proclaimed. You hear him saying it. And here he is. Here he is. Here's this boy. Five loaves and two fishes. You know, there's just something about once you get, become a part of what God's doing, you will never be separated from it. And it'll always have that sweetness about it. Now here's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say this. This boy, now, I'm, I, I don't know, I don't know, I, I'm just, since I'm doing the preaching, I'm going to imagine. Can I imagine a little bit? I'm going to imagine it must have been summertime, school's out. And they're up there, kids and all, seeing a miracle. But, you know, school's got to start back up. And, you know, this boy's probably in second grade, maybe third, I don't know, somewhere around there. And you know how the teachers are, the beginning of the school year, when you're a kid, they'll always give you an opportunity to tell us what you did over the summer. All right, kids, what was uh, the most exciting thing you did over the summer? And I can see one little girl stand up and she said, we went to Disneyland. 
Disney World. Somebody else said, well, we went to SeaWorld. Somebody else said, we went to Six Flags. Well, I know they didn't have all that back then, but they did something. And uh, they was all thrilled about it. And then that little old boy stands up. And he said, uh, teacher said, Billy, what'd you do? He said, well, went on a picnic and, uh, and fed 5,000 people. I can see her teacher looking at him, rubbing her chin. She said, Billy, said, uh, come up here. She said in soft tones, said, now, Billy, said, now, you, you know how everybody else just tell them what really happened and nobody's stretching it. Now, we don't want exaggerations. This is, we're just starting out the, 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 the year. We want you to just tell it like it was. Now, now, Billy, what did you do? What was the most exciting thing you did over the summer? She, he said, well, teacher said, I, I went on a picnic and, and, and then I fed 5,000 people. She said, now, Billy, I don't want to have to take you to the office for stretching it already. Said so now you you need to and about that time little girl stood up and she said, Yes, Susie, what is it? Said, he ain't telling the whole truth. She said, I didn't think he was. She said, Yeah, me and my daddy and the whole family was there and said, My daddy counts said he thought there's ten thousand. <laughs> now the little boy stood up and said, Yeah, I was there and said, My mom and daddy said they recollect, they reckon they must have been 15,000. Another one set up and said, yeah, we was there and said it looked like there was 20 or 25,000 there. And can you imagine all them kids out there on their playground coming up and said, Billy, man, we remember that day. That teacher didn't believe you. We was there. I ate some of that bread, man. Hey, that was good too. And can you see this boy? He gets up grown, maybe he's 17, 18 years old. And I can see somebody standing on the corner and said, See that boy right there? That's Billy. That's the boy that fed that multitude up there with that little bit of. Do you mean to tell me he's the one? That's him right there. You wouldn't have believed it, but they, they, they ate all, all that. And I can see him as he gets old. And he's sitting around. And I can see somebody coming up to him and said, Billy, I know you don't know me, but you remember that day up on the hillside when the, Jesus fed that multitude with your bread? Well, I was one of them that day and I was starving to death. And I want you to know my life was changed by the results of what happened there. And I want to say thank you that you was a part of it. Woo! I want to say thank you as a part of that class. I want to say thank you that you preached that sermon. I want to say thank you that you prayed for me. I want to say thank you that you let God do a miracle in my life. The greatest thing that ever happens to me from time to time. Preacher came by just here a while back and he said, Preacher, last year was the worst year of my life. He said, I was in, I don't, can't tell you why, in total depression. But he said, you know that series, he mentioned one of the series as I preached. He said, I had that and I got it out. But he said, I'm going to tell you this, it saved my life. He said, I listen to it every day. And God pulled me out. I said, oh, thank you, Lord, that I could be a part of somebody's miracle. Hey, don't worry about it. You're not too little. You're not too small. You're not too inefficient. You're, you're not too insufficient. All you need is a... An announcement. A voice from heaven saying, I'd like to use you. 
Just come ahead. No, don't argue. With, no, just come on. I'll show you what I can do Amen. with just a little bit. And only God knows Amen. and only eternity will reveal what the Lord does out of little churches with little folks that are willing to let him minister through them. We may not know it all until we get the glory. (laughs) Billy, I'll have to say I've eaten a lot of bread, son, but that bread that day on that hillside, it had a miracle touch to it. I just don't know that they could even be compared to. And I just want to say thank you. He's just a little boy. Isn't that amazing? How many people you touched and you're just a little boy. I'm talking about the miracle of the boy ministry. All you got to do is to just want to let him speak to you and work through you. Let's stand and bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we have felt your presence and your announcement here tonight. Thank you for this church. We feel ministered to even when we come here. Thank you for this pastor and his precious wife and family. May you continue to make this a place where miracles can happen in lives. In Jesus' name and for his sake we do pray and we beg it.